Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today, I've got two guests for you. First up is Antonio Banderas. He has been getting all kinds of awards buzz for his starring role in Pedro Almodovar's semi-autographical drama, Pain and Glory. Then later on, Jodie Turner-Smith, a newcomer on the rise with her starring role in Queen and Slim. She has a lot to say. I promise you'll want to listen in. So coming up after the short break, I've got Antonio Banderas. Okay, let's go. So we're supposed to be sticking to the script. But we ain't. Because <laughs> that's just not what we do. It's your girl, Tim Bam, y'all. And it's AJ Hey, And we're giving a whole bunch of good, bad advice. And a lot of bad, great <laughs> advice. <laughs> we're trying to teach you how to say when, how, and how much, y'all. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Now, that doesn't always have to apply to your sex life, ladies. It can absolutely apply to your career. Unless your sex life is your career, then it's interchangeable. <laughs> We're talking about a whole lot of sex. I love the sex. Hey, and a bunch of money. We love the money and relationships. Yeah, We're going to work on that. <laughs> so listen to our new show, We Talk Back, every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. I sat down with Antonio Banderas here at the Variety Studios. The 59-year-old actor opened up about reuniting with Pedro Almodovar, the classic American musical he hopes to revive on Broadway in Spanish, and how his life changed after his near-fatal heart attack. How are you? I'm fine. I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah, a little tired? Yeah. Tired of work season for bit. you? I am a little bit. But you know what? Uh, Sometimes when you do prom- sometimes you do promotions of movies that are in the middle. Some people like the movie, some people right. don't. And then it's complicated because <laughs> even you know there are some opinions that are against the movie that you agree, right. but you cannot defend that. You because what you have you, a producer. What, you, what you movie would that be? Oh well, we all have some of those. But then you have a movie like this that everyone loves. No, in, in a movie like this, it's, a, it's a easier for the effect that is been producing actually um, audiences all around the world and critics, and uh, though still a mystery. Why do you say? It's a mystery because uh, it's very difficult uh, for me. The other day I was talking with Pedro about that. It's very difficult to really know why things happen in a way in a way and not in another way mm-hmm. in terms of the effect of movies and uh, some artwork producing people. Right. Uh, I would love to. I, I think if we, if we knew, it w- the whole thing would be very easy. Right, right. You know, everybody would do good movies. And that's it, you know, but there is not a formula. Mm. Doesn't exist. But this film, so I think I told you this probably back when you first started doing the rounds. I didn't want to go to just a screening with just, you know, industry people. I really wanted to see with my husband. He's from Mexico. And we went to go see it. And, you know, the two of us just left. We were in tears. It's just gorgeous. So you play a filmmaker who's dealing with getting older, health issues, yeah. um, drugs, drugs, his past, heroin, not just drugs, but yeah. heroin, um, semi-autobiographical yeah. about Pedro. What responsibility did you feel playing, even though it's not Pedro, about playing Pedro? <laughs> 
It was a lot at the beginning when we, uh, when he offered me the script and I started reflecting about it and we didn't have still any kind of uh, contact, uh, you know, I mean, we talked on the phone, but uh, then I went to Madrid and we sat and uh, and I basically what I did is, is just put myself into his hands. I, I had an experience with um, the skin I live in uh, that was more tense. Mm. I came after 22 years and I just was, you know, not cocky, but <laughs> um, but I said, well, you know, the things that I have learned in these 22 years, I've been working a lot and I feel more secure in front of the camera and I can use my voice in this way. But, I mean, the things like tools, right? a collection of tools right. that you have developed during two decades. Right. And he said, okay, okay, all right. And so we started working and a week after that, he said to me, you know, all of these things that you're bringing from America may be useful for other directors in America, but not for me. Where are you? Mm. And it was like a punch in my mouth at the time. So I, instead of just, uh, you know, start listening, what I did is just confront him in a way, you know, so we went to the set and I had this idea of how the character should be played and he got another idea. So it was always creative and, you know, we never lost uh, control of ourselves right. and he's my friend and he will be my friend until the day we die. But, you know, it was a little tension. Mm. But then I saw the movie in the Toronto Film Festival and it was such a lesson because he got he managed to bring out of me a character that I didn't even know I had inside. Mm. And so I was just praying that I had another opportunity to work with him. And he came. He came nine years after. He called me again. So those first encounters, they were about me telling him um, I had, you know, several um, experiences in my life, one of them very traumatic, uh, that has to do with health too. Mm-hmm. I learned very much from the last time that we were together, no medals. I don't bring any medals. Mm-hmm. I am a plain soldier. Let's just start from zero. And he loved that. He said, okay. So we hold hands from that moment and we start creating this character from nothing, from zero, from the scratch, not trying to manipulate audiences, not trying to, uh, uh, you know, drive them to anywhere, but to just be free in the mud, jump in there mm-hmm. and start creating from nothing with little subtleness embroidering this thing. The movie, uh, I wouldn't respect very much actually what I saw on the script the first time I read it, which is the first time and the only time that you are an spectator of your own work is when you read the script for the right. first time, then you are intoxicated. But the first time I saw this simplicity and this kind of uh, uh, kind of austerity, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that he was telling this story. And there was, yeah, of course, emotion, but it was an emotion that he didn't want to slap you with. Mm-hmm. It was just there and uh, latent and so we got like this in the performing you know the character just very little by little very austere uh, we realized very soon that actually the character could say more about himself when he's listening and when he's in silence than when he's actually verbalizing what mm-hmm. is happening to him uh, so there was a number of things that we start working in that in that direction mm-hmm. yeah how much do you think you know like you said you had that health scare you had a heart attack how much does a heart attack make you strip away things and say, you know what, that doesn't matter. I could go on to this set and just, he wants to direct me, let him direct me the way he wants. I, th- I think it's very easy for anybody to understand that because uh, when you get close to death, uh, 
only the essential things uh, remain. Mm. And things that uh, that you thought at some point that were very important, they disappeared. They, you know, you, all of this um, relativization right. <laughs> of the reality becomes absurd. And there are only important things and certainties that you have there. And the main certainty is death. And everything else becomes very relative. Right. So you start just picking things uh, that are good for you, mm-hmm. that are good for the people that you love. And... Uh, and then there was this kind of uh, bell sounding inside, like uh, the only thing that I am interested in as an actor now is the truth. Mm. Independently of where can I find the truth, but the truth. You Why know? is that? Because, uh, because you don't want to lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. And you want to just really, really uh, use your profession to reflect about life. And, uh, uh, you know, you want to use every speck of this life because you just start seeing that there is a limit to everything and there is a limit actually for the time that you're going to be here. So I um, interviewed Pedro the other night um, and I was asking him what's true, what's not true in the movie. Did you sort of, were you reading the script going, did this really happen? Did that really happen? You know, and he gave me one example of (laughs) when... um, you're with um, you, 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 but you're with your mom in the movie, and she's yeah. talking about how she wants to be when she's in her coffin. And he said that did happen, but to his sister. Yes, that's correct. So yeah. did you did you ask him like what hap- what which which part was true, which part wasn't, or does it matter? Does it even matter? You know, in forty years of uh, friendship with Pedro Almodovar, we have kept a very you know beautiful friendship, but with certain limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Pedro is a very private person and I always wanted to respect that privacy there were spaces that I knew that I didn't have access and I never forced that mm. um, so we created a, a, a friendship that, that has its own um, universe mm-hmm. let's say um, so when I read the script for the first time I was very surprised to see things there that I didn't know I had no idea because I, I, I knew Francisca Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, his mother uh, she she participated with us in some movies and right. Time Me Up, Time Me Down yep. some of that. so I met the, the woman the woman was a very smart intelligent lady uh, though she was raised and her whole life just took a you know, place in rural places right. but she was you know s- life smart mm-hmm. and um, and Pedro adored her he worshipped this woman beyond belief he did a movie called All About My Mother <laughs> but the thing is that there were uh, you know pieces of the puzzle that were not put in there yet mm-hmm. he, I, I, I know that he never said to his mother you know mom you know I, I'm I'm sorry that I am not the, the, the boy the son that you want me to be mm-hmm. uh, things like that that I knew that Pedro has that thing stuck somewhere mm-hmm. in his heart and he gotta get out that thing out of his chest so there were many many surprises you know when I when I read the script uh, and uh, yes there was a moment that I asked him certain questions is this is true is not true then you start realizing that what is true and what is not true and what are we really what are we mm-hmm. are we only the things that we have said and we have done or are we also the things that we dreamt we have many things. That's, that's a good question because there are nights I wake up after dreaming something and I'm convinced I could fly. And you know what? Well, don't I jump out of the window. <laughs> but it's, you know, um, it's true. It's, and then it's, you know, 
is a memory is a memory truth yeah exactly um because memories are the same time can right. be transformed during the years so you know i think in a way you know it's not only a movie about the things that pedro has done uh, is about the things that the things that he never did that he wanted to do, the things that he never said that he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. So in that in that aspect, it's more Almodovar than Almodovar because mm-hmm. he completed a circle, he closed some wounds, right. uh, it, it, and the movie is pretty much about that. It's about reconciliation and coming to terms uh, with many people and with yourself. Right. Um, and it's very interesting because he does with the family, with the mother. They have actors. And I say actors in plural, because Alberto, the character of uh, the actor in the movie, is a Frankenstein made with many of us. Mm-hmm. And I am there, too. <laughs> it's Carmen Maura, it's mm-hmm. Xavier Poncela. Right. I'm just saying names of yep. Spanish actors that played with him, you know, for many years. So um, then he got lovers and the people that he really loved. And then he got cinema and, and life itself. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's about that. I think actually that's why people connect with the movie because we all do have that suitcase filled with miseries and greatnesses with oh, pain oh. and glory and when you yeah. watch and that, it comes with and and you know it's i'm not saying anything new but it comes with age yeah. to, you just you know when you're younger you're just ah yeah you're invincible <laughs> in, invincible yeah but, um, uh, yeah uh, so you're on set with pedro do you do you sort of pinch yourself sometimes thinking back to like the first day you were on set with Pedro yeah. and now it's 2000, you know, if you filmed it in 2018, 2019. Does it blow your mind? Of course. Of course. And and one of the things that I didn't count on, uh, not even when we were rehearsing, because Pedro loves to rehearse, you know, for a month before principal photography. Uh, but w- once we were on the set, something extraordinary happened that I didn't expect. And it's all the emotional information that was coming to me. And it, it was very weird because it, it, this is something that happened in this movie that will never happen again. When I say emotional information, is as it follows. I could see in Pedro, director, the effect that my performance is producing on him, saying his words, mm-hmm. because he's not only my director, but he's the character I am playing. Right. So I, I produce an effect on him, and he bounces back to me. I right. see how emotional he can get with certain things, and that gives me another information that I didn't count on it, and so I can ask for a second take because I want to add what I right. just saw. Right. And and there were moments that were so weird and so bizarre. You, I remember the the, the moment uh, that I have with my mother in a balcony, mm-hmm. with a line that I referred to you before. You, right. I'm not the son that you want for me to be, or for you to be. And and, and Pedro, normally he comes to the scene, he reads the lines with the actors because just to be precise about things that we have done in rehearsal. Oh, remember when you say that that you have to pick up things, uh, uh, things like that, right. very technical. And so he read my mother first, and then he was going to read my character, and he couldn't. Mm. He just took the script and he was, and he couldn't. It's almost like he was reading his diary. He was so emotional. I never right. seen Pedro that because Pedro is a guy right he's a tough cookie i never seen him emotional like that in my life in 40 years i never saw a tear in the eyes of this guy he's a tough guy and suddenly that thing was so i 
totally through that reaction of him directing me and being emotional with the thing that he wrote, I could see a universe of possibilities. I just he just mm. was sending me messages that it were they were straight here in my in, into my heart. I said to him, "Don't talk, don't say anything. Just go there to the convo and say action," yeah. because he got it. I got it. So the, uh, when we got into this kind of ping pong, this kind of reflecting mirror situation, it was extraordinary. Wow. There were days that I, it, it was so exciting to get on the set because it was the real thing. Mm. We were just playing a game that was very exciting and, and, and I could understand the depth and the complexity mm of what was behind every single moment, every yeah. single line of the movie, as I said to you before, very simple. People may not expect a movie with a big issues. It's all very, very simple, but at the same time, very powerful. They got this, this kind of atomic bombs inside of every line. Would you ever put your life on film? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think, I, don't, I, I no, I wouldn't do. I, it's when I die, I have done something more extraordinary than the things that I have done until now. And somebody when is reflect about that, fine with me, you know. But I would be dead. I, didn't, I wouldn't care. So you haven't thought about who <laughs> should play you in a movie? Never <laughs> did that. I never did that. I never. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> one one of the things you said recently that one of the most important things you've done in your life is um, start that theater company. Oh yeah. Tell me about that and why is it one of the most and tell us about the theater company and why is it one of the most important things you've ever done. Well, th th there is something about uh, me as an actor that many people don't know, and is that I am an actor because of theater, mm. not because of movies. Movies became an enormous accident <laughs> in my career, an accident of 112 movies. But uh, <laughs> We should all have such accidents. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the thing is that I fell in love with uh, uh, my profession, yes, in the theater, mm -hmm. uh, seeing actors uh, on, on the stage, a group of people just telling stories to another group of people. I just got to love that ritual. There was something there very specific, very beautiful that has to do with uh, civilization, mm -hmm. with the possibility of these people reflecting in front of others, you know, about ourselves. And you can make them laugh, you can make them cry, you can go to many different places. So right. my father and my mother, they were very much theater aficionados. And so when I, this event actually happened to me, this health problem that I had, you know, I came with the conclusion that I had to do the things that I want to do, that I don't want to die thinking I should have done that, I should have said that. No, no. Money mm -hmm. in a bank became kind of a very uh, Machiavellic intellectual thing. Right. <laughs> you, well, I mean, the saying goes, you can't take it with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But a theater, I can touch it. I can see the young people that I have now, they are rehearsing. I can be rehearsing with them, I can direct. I can feel the emotions that it produces me just to give to my city something back. You know, after so many years, I can take actors that I know uh, to give conferences there too, because we have also a school attached to the theater wow. with 600 students, and they are doing academics in the morning, but then in the afternoon, evenings, they do acting, singing, and dancing. And uh, so we are going to build a second theater starting in June there to have a black box for experimentation, new uh, play writers, new di directors, new actors, young people. Wow. I just love that possibility of giving 
something that I never had. Actually, when I was in my hometown in the 70s, there was nothing there for me. <laughs> That's what I left. <laughs> but uh, so it's, it's becoming such an important thing. And we are opening with a with a American play that mm -hmm. everybody knows, A Chorus Line. It's a so classic why, why are you opening with this American, like you said, it's Because reflects about our profession from right. the inside. Oh, for sure. And there was it's, it's a, a declaration of principles. It just say, you know, this is the sacrifice behind just our professional life. And this is how you have to search for excellence. There is, there is a lot of pain in the middle of that. So mm -hmm. we want to show that to young people because you got a beautiful array of values for them. Yep. And at the same time, you know, just to... Uh, in a, in a way, look at our profession and not from the red carpet and the flashes, but from the reality of it, from the sweating situation <laughs> that actors has to confront. It's a beautiful musical that actually changed the focus in, in the Hollywood, or, I mean, in Broadway of the 1970s from the stars to those guys in the back that nobody mm -hmm. put attention to them, but the, those are the ones who sustain the industry, right. literally. But the, nobody knows their names, and especially dancers, they have a very limited life. They got 10, 12 years, then they break right. because, you know, physicality just goes away. Yeah. And so um, it's a beautiful homage that Michael Bennett and Marvin Hamlish did to these people, yeah. to the gypsies. <laughs> they were, and so... Um, many years after, I just want to just uh, do it in Malaga. And because in Malaga, nobody saw it, not in Spain. Right. Chorus Line never landed in Spain. Wow. And so it's beautiful to that bring my people. Introducing yeah, Spain to a chorus line. To a chorus line. <laughs> and do it properly, you know, right. with 22 musicians, a beautiful company that I put together with mm. young people that are energetic and great dancers and doing a co-production. And if everything goes right, and uh, and the company is as good as I think it's going to be. Uh, and we may end up in New York doing doing a chorus line in Spanish, which would I be mean, interesting. <laughs> why hasn't that been done yet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in New York, you think? Yeah. And when are we going to see you back on Broadway in New York? I don't know. I mean, I've that told I'm... you this before. I've seen you on Broadway. Right. Um, I will never forget you dancing in that Wichita? in the water. <laughs> getting splashed by the water. Um, That's right. Same show of Jane Krakowski coming down and Fly, floating and <laughs> dancing and singing at the same time. Yeah. I mean, such vivid imagery. When are we going to see you do it again? In the moment that I find a vehicle that is proper, that I can, and maybe, maybe um, the possibility of doing something actually in co-production with our theater because yeah. uh, uh, you know it's a, it, it created a theater our motto our logo says something that says it's a theater uh, from for malaga and from malaga. malaga so we are absolutely open to co-produce with anybody who got a good idea and he got the the dreams and the strength to fulfill those dreams how much do you love doing a musical a lot <laughs> I loved. I is a genre that I that I really really enjoy doing it, especially on the stage. In a movie too, but in a movie is a completely different deal. Right. You go pace by piece by piece. It's almost like putting through a puzzle. Yeah. But when you do it live and there is nothing pre-recorded, and every night you go on the stage, is uh, very emotional. There is something about that. And theater in our days, in which technology is putting uh, everybody in a very strange position. We uh, are just uh, uh, 
uh, you know, making pictures of ourselves continuously. Yep. You know, this thing that we call now selfie is nothing but a, an attack of narcissism. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> is that it seems that the things that are not recorded on video, they don't exist. And theater is against that. Theater is just ephemeris. You just live it in the moment, and the, the only thing that remains is your memory. And that is beautiful in our so day because nothing memories. can destroy that. That live performance, you can record it, but then yeah. it's not theater anymore. And the ones who, make, who like me, who do theater every day, we know that every performance is a different yeah. universe. Different things happen. There's different energies in the house. There are audiences that are very reactive, audiences that are less reactive. The company is going that they perfect because there is a rhythm that you don't know why everybody's in the rhythm. Right. You know, so all of these things has like an amoeba that is just right. changing, you know. I love that. I just love that. That thing that is present and it goes away and nobody can see it except the people that experienced it. What's the one movie you could watch over and over again? and you'll never get bored watching it. Singing in the Rain. Yeah. <laughs> I can watch that? that over and over and over again. What do you love about it? There is an energy in the mm. movie that is very special, that um, is um, very romantic in a way. Mm -hmm. It tells us a story about the old Hollywood uh, and a time in the history of this town that it was very hopeful and mm. colorful and um, and he had a lot of hope for a life that was beautiful. Maybe we had lost that innocence. And that's what I like that about the movie, the innocence inside it. Mm -hmm. So when are you gonna do it in Spanish? Oof, I don't singing, think- uh, Singing in the rain in Spanish. I know, but you know, I, you know it's <laughs> very difficult, even in English, eh? <laughs> even in English, it's very difficult to top what uh, Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor do. It's practically impossible, those guys were Perfect. It's unbelievable how they, you, you see numbers that they do at that time now, and uh, you know, even rappers, whatever, you know, great dancers you can find now, it's very difficult to top what they do there. Antonio, thank you so much. It's, it's always a pleasure. pleasure. Same here. That was Antonio Banderas. I'll be right back after this short break with Queen and Slim star Jody Turner-Smith. We talked about her starring in her first movie, working with Lena Waithe and first-time film director Melina Moussakis, and why she's having doubts about wanting to raise a family in the United States. I'll have that and a whole lot more after the break. Ever thought you'd make a great switchboard operator? Or seltzer man? Or professional royal mistress? If old-timey jobs are your jam, we've got a podcast just for you. I'm Helen Hong. And I'm Matt Beat, and we host the new podcast, Jobsolete, taking a look at jobs that used to be a thing and now not so much. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts. But don't take our word for it. Find Jobsolete on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's Jody Turner-Smith. You went to Berlin, L.A., Berlin, yes, I've been, L.A.? I've been filming in Berlin. Okay. And so I flew back last Wednesday. Wednesday, Jordan? I flew back Wednesday. Yeah. And then I was here for like a few days. And then I flew back to Berlin. Wow. For one day of shooting. And so it's like, when you, and when you fly from L.A. to Berlin, it takes you like two days. Because it's a nine-hour time difference. Right. So I, I left on, like, the Sunday. I landed on Monday night. I worked on Tuesday. I left on Wednesday morning. I flew back to L.A. And then I arrived Wednesday morning in L.A. So I'm just <sighs> like... <laughs> so, 
Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim. Oh my god. Okay, so you have said that as soon as you read the script, you fell in love with Queen. Yes. What did you fall in love with? You know, I think it is the journey that she goes on. Number one, I could completely relate to this idea of who she had created. This woman she had created for herself, you know, the wall she had built around herself. And even just how, like, as a black woman, like, you often take on so much and, 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 and cover yourself with so many walls just in order to get through whatever the circumstances are, mm. you know? And there's this sort of idea of, like, you know, the strong black woman or even, like, the angry black woman, you know? And it's, right. it is, it's a, a protective wall, you know what I mean? And I just thought it was so beautiful to see someone take the time to tell a real story about, you know, a woman like that, you mm -hmm. know, to explain it, to, to, to show her on this journey of softening and unraveling and what that does to her, you know, even though it's on the backdrop of like a really traumatic yeah. experience. And that transformation, um, I'm gonna get right to it, cutting off your braids. Yeah. That is powerful. Yeah. How, do you, how did you do that? I mean, I, I imagine, you know, it's not like a scene where you just walk into and be like, okay, let's do it and done. It's, yeah. You know, probably, I imagine you had to mentally prepare. Oh my God, you know what? It's so funny because when we actually finished shooting that scene, I actually had to just sit there for like 10 minutes and just cry. Mm. I just felt so, I mean, you know, hair carries a lot of energy, you know what I mean? And and just sort of the act of, and I think for many women, like this idea of like doing the big chop, you know, mm -hmm. when you, because when you cut off your hair and you cut it to be really short, it's like, then it's just your face. So becomes like a part of your identity. Yes. And even if you're just wearing it for a short amount of time, but just so embodying like Queen's journey and what she mm -hmm. was going through, it was like, you know, a part of it was that it was taking away anything that she had to hide behind. You but know? then she was hiding by doing it. Yeah, which is so crazy. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was to, she did it to hide, but it ended up being this thing that so so many times our, our identity is like wrapped up in our hair and, mm -hmm. and, and in the way that we look. And so to kind of shed that layer, it's just like symbolically, I think, a really beautiful message. And and I think also for the film, you know, Melina, her vision for Queen was that because, you know, she wanted Queen to make a transformation, but she didn't want to sort of send the message where it's like her transformation is that she goes from having, you know, because my hair is naturally, you know, the haircut that we end up doing is like what my natural hair right. is. And she didn't want it to be something where it's like we go from my natural hair to then I'm in like this wig that's like very like European looking. Right. And she didn't necessarily want it to be symbolically to feel like that was any of the messaging, you know, mm -hmm. it really just wanted it to be about this journey for Queen that was about her revealing herself mm. while she was on this journey to supposedly hide herself. So tell me, tell me about the audition process because I know you know Melina has spoken about it. I, I went to they did like one of the first little sneak peeks, like the first twenty minutes, and she talked about how as soon as you and Daniel were together, they knew everyone knew. They're like, yep, she's the one. Oh my so God. Tell me about that audition. Which is so amazing because I'm like, you know, when you're in the process, you know, and I, when I go into any auditions, and I think because I come from a background of modeling where oftentimes you go into an audition and 
you know, a casting and you you really get nothing, you know, they'll be like, okay, thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like lots of rejection and there's right. lots of, you never know what is going to be the outcome. Right. And, and um, so I always go into it where I'm like, you know, it, it's really just about leaving an impression. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about necessarily getting the job because there's so many aspects of it that are out of your control and there's like there's so many different visions that you're going up against you know the, right. the, the producers the studio the director and then it is you know like in the case of a chemistry read where it is like do you even work with this person and and do you work best with this person because they're obviously reading other women for it as well and but also like the what the chemistry between the two of you obviously in the the movie it develops into a love story so there's almost like a part like you like you don't want too much chemistry because yeah. you need that that tension in that opening scene and you're in that diner like it was thick it was just like right it's queen like queen is like, not no. having it she's, she's not having like, it she's like yeah you can eat my salad but that's the closest you're gonna get across that wall and you know that's the thing that made it so magical and that's what's so magical about you know and Melina is such an interesting human being because the fact that you know, you never, and it's like, cause she's not, you don't, you, you can't tell exactly what it is that she's thinking or even mm. what she's doing at, at the time. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, she's such a genius. And, you know, she obviously saw something in that because when we auditioned, obviously like we auditioned that diner scene, you know what mm. I mean? And none of the scenes we auditioned were uh, any of the ones after we've fallen in love with each other, do you know? So everything oh, was about, oh, wow. everything was about like, who before are these people that. like before, like when they're inside the trauma, when they're inside the, which is what makes it so that's, interesting. That's, that's do you know what I yeah. mean? And so, you know, the fact that she kind of saw like that spark and, and then what made it so amazing for me was it's like, I mean, I got to really just through the process fall in love with Daniel. And it's like such an easy thing to do. Cause I mean, he is, the most kind and generous actor I've ever worked with. He's so incredible. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was really just like my privilege to get to just like be on that journey with Queen and mm -hmm. fall in love with this human being, you know? Wow. And even I didn't know what that was gonna look like or what the results were gonna be or how that was gonna come off the screen. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like, Melina knew, Lena knew, they, they knew. So tell me about the first time meeting Melina, the first time meeting Lena, because Lena, Lena and I follow each other on Twitter and we tweet each other every once in a while. And it was the night that I asked her about her hair, like with no, I was just like, you cut your hair off, right? And it was the first time we met and we just like, her vibe is just, I mean, it's just so welcoming. I mean, so the crazy thing is I actually met Melina years and years ago okay. as when she was just, you know, directing music videos and right. I'm just as a model, you know, and, and, you know, we worked together on something that never ended up coming out, which is so interesting. Where is that Do you know what I mean? Now? I we know. See that. I have no <laughs> idea. And, and so it was so interesting. That's what made it all so like full circle and beautiful to like right. then come and work with her again. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But she just has obviously this essence and this aura of just like this absolute boss lady. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's got this like insane style mm -hmm. and you can see it's like you, you can you can always tell when you sit in front of somebody who you know has a, a vision and a plan. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's so it's 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 almost intimidating. Right? You know what of I mean? Because you're yeah. just like, wow, I feel the power of like your vision. Like, whoa, <laughs> I need to come correct. <laughs> Am I good? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, and and both her and Lena 
you know, my first time meeting Lena really was through this this audition process. Right. You know, I had just like seen her on the internet and then <laughs> I knew that she was his powerhouse, you know what I right. mean? And then obviously, I mean, in a way, my first time meeting Lena was reading the script. Do you know what I mean? Because right, I read the script and it, it fucking knocked me off my socks. And I'm like, this woman, you know, is extremely, extremely talented. And in the process, you know, they both, and I, I think especially because, number one, the film is, is is so important in its way, you know, they both have described it as protest art. Yeah. So they were very serious in that process of like putting this together in the right way. And also because they're such meticulous people, you know, especially Melina, she's so meticulous, she's so specific, she's so exacting. So it's like, when I met them in that context, it was like, it was very just like, I just was aware that I was in the presence of two very powerful individuals. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Who and and I was just like, okay, like here we go. And then gotta put my A game on. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta put my A game on and, and and you know, and just bring just bring me to this, my interpretation of Queen and and you know, let it fall where it may, you know? Mm. And it was it was really a very, very beautiful experience. And you know, they have been so supportive of me through this. And, and especially when I watch the film and I look at it and it's like, I think because I'm so brand new at it, you know, I'm so green that a lot of times inside of the process, it felt very scary. You know, it felt mm -hmm. like, you know, oh my God, I, you know, first of all, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I'm totally <laughs> just like, just, I'm just trying to bring truth. And right. like, you know, I didn't, I don't have any training. I don't have any, I'm just <laughs> like trying to tell the story and, and, and be an, an honor queen. And when I watched the film, I'm like, wow, these people trusted me, mm. you know? And when I watch it, I'm like, wow, my director really trusted me to just exist in front of the camera and it's just it makes me emotional like talking about it because you know I didn't even fully understand that when I was in the process you know what mm. I mean and it's not until I watched it and I just see that like and so to to have that kind of support and that kind of love it's just like it's really beautiful to make this with them I don't want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. Oh my god, do we have tissues in here? Like you like it. You like it. You're allowed to get emotional. That's. I mean, that's that's what you're doing this art for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, what you know, you talk about. You know, you're green. You don't really know what you're yeah, doing here. Yeah. It's Melina's first feature film. I know. So what kind of pressure did you feel like, oh my God, I want, not only do you want to succeed, you want to see her succeed. Exactly. I mean, a lot, you know, and it was very, and even that was the energy, you could feel that energy, you know, as we were making it, that mm. it was like, you know, because not only is it her first feature, but also she's a woman and also she's a black woman, you know what I mean? And there is just, you know, and as a black woman myself, I just have an understanding, you know, the same, I think we were both kind of, we were all just like bouncing that energy of us all feeling, cause it's like, it was Melina's first feature. It was my first time starring in a feature. Yeah. It was Lena's first time writing a feature. Yeah. And we were all just sitting and existing in that energy together of like, we really gotta come correct in mm. this, you know? And it's like that moment in the movie when, you know, Queen says she's an excellent lawyer and Slim says, you know, why do black people feel the need to be excellent? Like, it's a very real thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very real and unshakable thing to feel like 
you know, I'm striving for excellence and I'm striving for the black people around me to be excellent. And I'm striving to not be the weak link that gets in the way of their excellence. Right. You know what I mean? So, so you're was, talking about Queen or you're talking about you? I'm talking about the both of us, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it's why I so relate to that. You know mm. what I mean? It was like, I lived inside of that experience. You know, I live inside of that experience. What were, what were the rehearsals like? You know, the rehearsals were very like low key. We when we we went up there about two weeks early and we just sat with Melina. And, and what I love about Melina is that she, as I was saying earlier about how specific she is, you know, she ha she she always has like a plan and a vision, and she kind of gives you, she she lets you into where she's at with it, so that you can use that as a jumping off point. Okay. You know, she has very specific references. She has very specific. You know, she directed me to the autobiography of Angela Davis. I went and I read that because she was like, for mm. her. Angela and Queen, you know, that was for her that, you know, a lot of her inspiration for Queen, you know, what she okay. felt like Queen's energy was. And it was something that I really like just mm. mined for, for 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 information, for feeling even. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I mean Angela wrote that, I think she was twenty seven years old when she wrote that. Crazy. Do you know what I mean? That's and crazy. so it's like and she was in the middle of that hectic experience yeah. of and she's writing about you know being on the run from the law you know and as she has been accused of this crime that she did not commit right. being a political prisoner it just was like this incredible incredible jumping off point that melina gave me and so you know melina and lena and daniel and i we sat together over the course of those couple of weeks and we would just read through the scenes and we would just talk about them you know, and then Daniel and I on our own time, you know, we would just get together and we would read the scenes together over and right. over and over again as much as we could because Daniel really looked after me did and he? he really gave so much to me so that we could just be in it together. How did he look after you? I mean, from the work that he would do with me, from just even talking to me, what times when I would like, there would be so many times when I'm like, feeling a certain way or confused or whatever and Daniel would talk to me. Do you know what I mean? He really looked after me. Wow. You know what I mean? He really just always made sure that I was okay, mm. that I was that I was with him, that I was connected, all of it. You know? He was always there. After every take, he was there for me. You know what I mean? Wow. I mean, he was so encouraging. He was so, and he has such this, this beautiful, like positive energy. And he literally doesn't, he is a drama free dude. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Which is like really awesome to have on a set because yeah. there's so much going on on a set. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And and you, and when you're doing this work, you know, and especially like for myself, as I'm like finding myself in this journey, it's like, I have to stay wide open. I don't know how to close anything off or any mm. feelings off because if I close one thing off, then it shuts down other things. Right, and and I, I don't yet know how to like control that. So I stay wide open, which means I'm wide open to everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it was my first time starring in a movie, so I was very sensitive. <laughs> so first time starring in a movie. What is like your, I mean, your ultimate dream? When you think like your acting career is going down the road, what are you thinking? I mean, you, you got the whole universe open to you right now. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the most important thing, thing to me is never to be attached to what it looks like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And to just be open. Interesting from someone who's a model. 
Yeah. Because that's what, I mean, yeah. you're like, look at me, you should get attached to this. You should buy this. Absolutely. Wow. But when it comes to like my process through life, like journeying through the world, I've learned. Do you know what I mean? It's like we say that we want things and sometimes what happens is we get attached to it happening a certain way or looking a certain way. And then we don't get to enjoy the journey. Do you know so what I mean? And so it's like I true. change, every project changes me and, and I change just as a woman and I change with every, just because I grow. And so like what I want moves, do you know what I mean? And like someone told me a long time ago, the finish line is always going to move. Always going to move. It's about the you journey know, to the finish line. It's about the journey to the finish line. Keeps line moving, it's you know? all about the journey. But I hope to be, you know, respected by my peers. I hope to love what I'm doing every day. You know what I mean? Like I, what I want is to is to be in projects that I'm like, I'm happy that I'm doing this. I love doing this. You know, because right now it's like I love it so much. <laughs> so, so Melina said. We created this film to honor those black lives. People have lost their lives because of po police brutality and try to bring that conversation to the table. But the main theme is love. The main theme is love and how in our community as black people, that's our best power to fight against injustice. I was just talking about this yesterday as well. It's like, what is happening in this country and what has happened in this country, it's like when I think about even reading Angela Davis and reading this other Angela Davis who wrote a book about, uh, it's called Policing the Black Man. Mm -hmm. And when you read about even why the police force was started, which was really as a, as a, as a tool to catch slaves. Yeah. And so it's just, this movie is, is protest art about a problem that we have here. You know, this, the way that there is little to no justice for the lives that are taken by police brutality, by police violence, that the justice system is not here to have justice for all. Mm. That is a really important issue of our time. It's like, mm. we have come far yes in many ways but even like i also brought up yesterday i don't know if you saw watchmen and they started with the tulsa yeah. riots and the, the massacre and and it's like i saw the threads that you were retweeting yeah <laughs> and when yeah. you read about that and you're just like but because of the way that history is written because of the information that's given to us because of the way that we're framed in the media we're just taught that it's a different thing when it's like no, this is something that is a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. And it has to change. And that didn't just happen yesterday. And it didn't just happen yesterday. And then in the middle of all of this, while this group of people in this country, black people, are being oppressed, are being killed, are being murdered, there is still this beauty that cannot be killed. Mm-hmm. And that is also what this movie is about. And I think that's what she's saying, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is that, and it's so funny because uh, they also use that, that Solange song, Almeida, and she says that in the song, you know, black faith still can't be washed away, not even in that Florida water. No, because you know what, it's inside you. And it's yeah. just like, the love that we have for each other and for ourselves that cannot be killed by oppression, that cannot be killed by injustice. That's also what this is about. You know, this, this is a movie about black survival, you know, at all costs. 
does it scare you when you see what's going on in this country? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, the one thing I can appreciate about the current times is I feel that there is finally a spirit of authenticity about where people are being honest, but especially, you know, on the side of white supremacists. Mm -hmm. They're out in the open. Now, what I have also learned about American history is that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to make people do the right thing. Because sometimes the, 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 you know, and actually most times the voice of white supremacy gets very loud. And as we've seen historically, they seem to be winning. Mm -hmm. But hopefully with the way that times have changed now with the Internet, with the fact that Things can't happen inside of a bubble anymore. Things happen and the information spreads within seconds around the world. You know, hopefully that art, like what we're making, voices like the ones we're hearing speak out and cry out, will shift things, you know? And that's the thing, again, that, that concept of black faith and love, it's like, that's what makes us keep fighting and hope mm -hmm. and hoping and, and, you know, that things are gonna be different. Do you see yourself becoming an American citizen one day? I mean, I think so. I mean, I definitely, you know, I definitely should. I've been in this country now for so long. So it's like I, I should. But I also am not certain that I want to, like, live here and raise my family here, really? you know. Yeah. But I love America in so many ways. It's very complicated yeah. relationship that I have with America you know mm. I love it so much and I also I see the places where it's flawed and everywhere is flawed obviously do you know what I mean but it's definitely one of those things where it's like okay <laughs> okay so let's go a little lighter yeah <laughs> what is the one movie you could watch over and over again and you never get bored oh my god what is one movie I watch? Oh my god! Go ahead. Baz Luhrmann's William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. I have watched that movie <laughs> so many times. Long live Baby Leo! Oh my god, I love that movie. I've watched it so many see, times. My one of my favorite movies is Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. Ah, uh, see, it's like when Baz like knocks it out of the park it it's stays like with you for eternity yes. okay so what, what what was it about Romeo and Juliet that I just... mean it's like obviously I was very young when that movie came out and it's just like the love the angst the you know what I mean it's <laughs> yeah. like it's the most and that's the thing it's the like love is like the deepest and most like universal human subject yeah like we all want community, we want to be understood, we want to be loved. And to have like this undying love for someone who against all circumstances you must be with, but also like, you know, because it leaves you wanting because these right. two people like senselessly died, you know, and it's just so well done. I wish I was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm really excited for you. Thank you so much. That was Queen and Slim star Jodie Turner-Smith. Thanks for listening to this week's Big Ticket. Coming up next week, one of my favorites. I sat down with Charlize Theron. It's always a good time when I get together with the Oscar winner. Make sure to tune in to find out what she has to say about transforming into Megyn Kelly for Bombshell, working with Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie, and so much more. Again, thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. For now, I wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next week. Big Ticket.
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.